And we are live with the Texas Long Gas Podcast right right here. Josh Shelton, actually, quick story. So we were off last week for the podcast listeners. Um, Josh and I, uh, we went down, we won a trip. I won a trip. Josh somehow got invited uh, for fishing, a free fishing trip last week. And so we went down, destroyed the fish, had a fantastic time, uh, had vacation. Come back. I'm moving, as you can see, to the new background here. And my internet was installed on Friday. Then it went out on Saturday. It's supposed to be fixed by this morning. So I'm on my phone streaming this. So if it sounds a little bit different, should be back next Monday. Josh gives me a call about an hour ago or text. His internet's out. Of course, he didn't power through to make it today. So it's just me. Uh, but we do have on a guest. We should be back to regular scheduled pro- programming uh, next week, assuming Josh shows up for work, which we all know is rare. Which uh, Our guest this week is Robert Mason, who's the CEO and president of Spock Automation. And he is a company culture expert as well. Uh, so Spock, when I hear Spock, I think of Star Trek, Live Long and Prosper. What does Spock actually stand for? We actually say Pump Long and Prosper. <laughs> <laughs> Got some great t-shirts with it. Uh, Spock's actually an acronym for sensorless pump off control. We're in the uh, automation space. We do inverter technologies, uh, variable frequency drives. Uh, it's kind of known in the industry. So all of your rotating equipment, if it has an electric motor on it, we uh, spin it, save you money, and automate the processes, and uh, in general, try to uh, be good stewards of, of energy. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I'm curious, being in the automation space that we've kind of talked about, um, I guess the last downturn, which wasn't that long ago now, is it felt like during the last downturn, there was a lot of talk about automation, uh, technology, automation improvements. And we kind of on the show said, well, we're not going from the Razor flip phone to the iPhone. We're just going from one iteration to the iPhone to the next. It's kind of a slow automation process. But the narrative was is that you know improved technology and automation was going to kind of save the industry or help the industry rebound. Um, I haven't heard that as much this time coming through this downturn. Of course, it's it's a little bit different. But from your standpoint in the automation space, are we still kind of just plugging along um, kind of, you know, iOS 10 to iOS 11, or are we seeing actual leaps and bounds improvements? We are seeing leaps and bounds and improvements. Um, one of the things that we we did, we ran a calculation. We actually started a new company as a, as a result of the, the pandemic um, and the technology that we that we have with inverters in the grid space and stored energy and, and using hybrid electric systems because um, it's the exact same hardware we've been deploying. we got 70,000 units out in oil and gas fields across the world. And on average, we're probably saving somewhere in the uh, close to $500 million a year just in energy consumption alone by deploying this technology. And as a result, we're seeing a lot of interest. Uh, we're seeing other markets that are peripheral markets um, that feed into the energy industry, looking at um, at alternatives, hybrid systems, so to speak. Uh, so you can reduce your your emissions. You can reduce your your fuel consumption on your diesel. Um, great example. Uh, we also play in the marine space, so the work boats and such that that feed the rigs and, and take care of that market and wind. Um, we, we see them jumping full force into electric hybrid um, solutions 
where they're using diesel and our inverter technologies, and they're seeing 40% reductions in diesel burn, which equates to bottom dollar, a cleaner solution, and gives them more flexibility with their 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 power requirements. So we are seeing it, um, and people are getting smarter about it. And in, and the good news is, if you can get good news out of this this, <laughs> this last year, is right. it sparked a lot of people's willingness now to let us articulate the story. Tell us about your your one line, your power one line, and let's see if we can't come up with a creative way to redesign it in a way using all these technologies to best benefit you and give you a path moving forward. Yeah, so one of the things that you see a lot of times with tech or automation is um, it might come from a really start, a really small startup that kind of, you know, they don't really have a lot of overhead and they can kind of go after it, or it comes from a big company who's got tons of R&D and they're out there watching the market and they can kind of steer their dollars a little different. What you see sometimes is, is that that middle guy, he has a hard time determining, okay, is it time to jump into automation technology? Uh, the old way was working. Will we make our money back? Um, has that been a concern for some of the industry right now? Because obviously a lot of folks are strapped for cash, but if they can save money, um, it's kind of like, you know, you look at like solar panels, people are like, well, you can put solar panels on your roof and you get a 10 year payoff. Like, well, well, the roof lasts 10 years. So how is that conversation going with the more of the middle guys of saving money and then getting the money back in time? Well, honestly, that's a great question, Brian. And the, the answer is we're seeing a lot of people really giving it genuine, uh, a, a genuine look. And the reason being is it's more than just automating that process. It, it makes the equipment last longer. So if I can cut down on the mechanical wear and tear through electrical automation, if I can reduce your power consumption, all of those things bundled up together give you longevity. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of it. And, and it's not that automation replaces the workforce because it doesn't. You still have to have skilled labor, but you can allocate those resources to not fighting uh, all these issues that we've had in the past, because now you have intelligence at the well sites, at the saltwater disposals, wherever it may be, that give you information so that you can actually get things up and running quicker when you do have those those issues. So we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of people that are very, very responsive. In, in, in your opinion, is that because you're starting to see, so I'm 35, I've been in the tax oil and gas industry since I was 19, 20 years old. So um, you're, I'm 35, so you look like you're 36, 37, you're just a light, slightly a bit older than me. But are, are you seeing that it's the younger generation that's kind of pushing this or has the older generation kind of adopted? Because obviously there's stereotypes of, well, the old guys don't want to adopt it, but that's not always true. You see people that are very tech savvy that are older and people are younger who are tech illiterate. So it, what makes it, is it just strictly, Hey, we need to make money. What, because um, I, I remember sitting in the guy's office back in 2013. I said, Hey, we have this technology. Your pipeline projects can go a lot faster if you use this. And he goes, it's great. But my boss, all he wants to see is an Excel spreadsheet. Like he doesn't care. So of course money was flush back then and people were doing great. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been in this industry for quite a while and, uh, your reference to about 36 that might come closer to the number of years I've been doing it than, uh, than my overall age. But 
you know, we're seeing we're seeing it a lot a lot of when I first started in this industry, um, there was a apprehension to towards technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is that's fundamentally shift shifted over time. I'll give you a great example. Um, the ESP market, electric submersible market. We we are a, a major player in that uh, in that market for the controls. They they use our variable frequency drives on those on those pumps. When we first entered the market, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of ninety to ninety five percent just across the line on off control. Uh, and today, it's less than two percent globally that doesn't use variable frequency drives and the energy savings, the mechanical wear and tear on the equipment, you know, it's just all of those factors uh, that, that people are very open to it. So we don't really see that uh, argument nearly as much as we did 20, 30 years ago. The technology has advanced, the reliabilities are there. And, and really, if you're, not, uh, if you're not looking at automation of your processes, you're probably gonna be left behind. Okay, so I know one of the things that you want to get to was kind of culture and tying that to company success. Um, maybe set the you know culture today. Uh, it's kind of a buzzword that everyone. Oh, I got to have great culture. When you say that word, what do you mean? How where are you coming at it from? You know, that is a that's the perfect question for me. And that is, we have something that we call lift up, and that lift up culture is just that. It's actually the foundation, the roots of why I started this company. Uh, when I was uh, a young man, I worked for other another company that uh, actually my father owned, and he sold that company. And I worked for him for a couple of years, and we had just a complete different philosophy on culture and how we treat people and treat others. And you know, we have the privilege of working in one of the greatest industries in the world. Uh, we really do the salt. Of the earth is in this in this in this space and and so we we developed this culture that we call lift up around our automation and our intellectual gifts uh, that we've been blessed with in this space and so we lift up each other that's that's pretty pretty evident we give career paths and we look at ways to to better people's lives uh we li- help you to lift up the company, we lift up our, our customers through the solutions that we provide that reduce energy consumption, they automate processes, they increase production, they do all these things in a way that's environmentally also sound. Uh, we lift up this industry uh, by providing those things. Uh, and then ultimately we feel like we're lifting up the country and in, in, in providing a sustainable uh, oil and gas industry that is becoming future-proof because there's a there's actually a fundamental transition going on in the world, and and it doesn't happen very often in one's lifetime, if ever. Um, and so we feel like we have a way to help people go through that transition in a way that's more positive, and that bleeds over into our products, it, into our service, into the industry, uh, and we just have a we just have a full a full gamut of lift up that, that we deploy that really changes fundamentally how we do business, 
And, you know, you, you funny, you mentioned that culture is, you know, a buzzword and it is for a lot of people, but when you really believe it and you live it, it can fundamentally make a huge difference. And people always ask me, you know, what well, is it economically sound to, to infuse and focus on culture in your company? And I would say with a resounding yes, uh, we've been blessed to have won best place to work uh, by Inc. Magazine last year in 2020. Uh, we've won numerous accolades locally uh, and statewide. We've been on the Inc. fastest 5,000 growing privately held companies three times in under a decade. So I'll, I'll just say that culture beats strategy every time. So as we're looking at um, coming out of the pandemic last year, you had people working from home, some people in the office. Um, that, you talk about culture and trying to lift people up. How have you guys navigated that? Because I know for a lot of people, there's, it's not just uh, the culture is one thing, but then you have these new safety concerns and fears. And so getting everyone on the same page as they return back to the workplace, coming post pandemic, whenever that happens um, officially, um, you know, how do you guys, how do y'all engage that process? Because I know that's a concern for a lot of companies out there. It is. And, and we actually, we're, we consider ourselves high tech rednecks. We're, we're based in, uh, in Alabama headquarters is. So um, we, we were ahead of the curve. We had our, we have our entire company that sits in the cloud and has for, for a long time. We were a big user of Salesforce. Uh, I was an early adopter. We've been on it for 17 or 18 years. Our ERP system sat on the cloud also. So really our entire business model is one of automation and we live it as well as sell it. So um, it, it was bumpless as far as the, the ability to conduct business. Everybody had the ability to work from home that could outside of manufacturing, obviously. Um, and we were able to service all of our customers through it, but it actually, it was a, because of that culture and because we have invested so much into it, that that lift up culture stood the test and the trial that last year really was because obviously everybody fought the pandemic and this industry had the pandemic plus the oil crisis going on. And we were, we were very blessed to have been in a position where we were able to hang on to all of our talent and they all focused really hard using technology. Uh, we, we innovated, we created new products, um, we've got several patents that we've uh, we've now applied for as a result of it. And, and it was something from ground level up because even our people jumped on board with something that we call two minute drives. We made a series of about 40 different little short two to four minute videos that are industry uh, videos because we knew a lot of people wouldn't be able to return to this industry. They're going to find other jobs. So we wanted to share our intellectual gifts and knowledge that could be transferable around automation and, and motor controls and different things, SCADA. Um, and so they, all the team from engineers all through the plant, field guys, all started making these little short two minute drive videos and we post them on the internet to help, you know, bridge that gap for that generation that has been so devastated as a result of this. So, Culture inside of a company is, um, you know, I think, as you said, it takes a lot of energy and effort. In the oil and gas industry, though, we have, you know, you have the, the operator, the pipeline company, and then they'll have a vendor. And then 
sometimes a vendor is working for a vendor and then you have a vendor over here who's not exactly sure that that they're they reporting to the operator or to this vendor and the, 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 the diagram is kind of crazy so what advice would you give to maybe an operator because um i've worked for companies that is just mass chaos like it, there is you're not sure who's reporting to two and i've worked for others who have handled it pretty well um but for operators that are listening or pipeline companies that are listening you know I don't think that they may realize how much their setting the tone really helps their projects get done, um, especially on the vendor side of things. So what advice would you give to an operator or a pipeline company or whomever, um, how to set the tone, how to handle the culture, not only internally, but externally when they bring in vendors? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And we include vendors because we consider them partners. And I would give this same advice to the end users, uh, whether it be a pipeline or a production company or, or wherever you sit in the in the uh, in the food chain, is you've got to view not only your people, but your suppliers and your customers as part of that ultimate culture. There are uh, something that we do here is we have these, uh, and this won't make good uh, podcasts, but but I'll show you. We have these coins that we had made up. They're like military coins. Oh, yeah. Challenge coins. And, and there are core value coins. And yeah. so we have five core values and we challenge people to live out those core values each and every day. And so your peers actually nominate you. And last year is a great example. We gave out somewhere in the neighborhood of 64 coins. We don't give them out like water and they're, they're weighed and measured against, you know, solution focused, caring, gratifying, passionate, committed. Um, those are those those uh, core values that we have. Mm -hmm. But 10 out of the uh, 60 something coins that we gave out were actually to our suppliers where they were caught in the act of living out our core values. And so we push that into our vendors. And so it, it matters. Uh, the whole reason, actually, it's, it was a long journey before we documented our core values. And, and the whole reason was initially, um, my previous uh, line of work, I worked with a lot of Fortune 500 companies. They'd come in, they'd flop down a, a happy brochure and say, you know, this is our mission, our purpose, and our, our core values. But they no more lived it out than the man on the moon. And I found that to be disingenuous. I've always been the guy that if I tell you it's going to rain, you probably ought to take your umbrella to work. And so, <laughs> so real quick on the challenge coins, amen. I, I only have one and this is from the U S embassy in Beijing. And so I got that when I was in uh, China back in November of 2019. Don't that, is, that is awesome. And I, but, and I, I, those I are, actually, uh, my, my wife's um, cousin is a, was a former blue angel pilot and that's, oh, wow. he gave me his coin. Yeah. I, I, that's where I kind of took that idea from because I just thought that was one of the one of the yeah. most memorable tokens that I'd ever received. Yeah, I think if the industry, uh, I'm not sure if uh, it would work for everyone, but I do think something like that. If you're not just passing them out like koozies yep. or um, or business cards, something like that, where it's a it's something that you carry around with pride. Um, there is something to them. This one, just for people who are listening, um, it's heavy. It's got some weight. It's not light. This is not a poker chip. I mean, this is, I mean, it's huge. It, 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 it's, it's very large. You, you set up on your desk to be displayed. It's something to proud. Like not many people have been to the U.S. Embassy in Beijing, at least I mean, relatively speaking. So I'm one of those people who got to buy a token. So that, that's the that's the impetus behind it is it's challenge coins or something that you've 
challenged or unique or special or having to do it. So I think those are awesome. And that's, that's cool that you guys have them. So let's take that question and flip it around from the vendor side as a vendor who you're trying to have your culture, but you're, you're working for the client. How do you take your core principles, making sure that you're implementing those, but also dealing with a client that might not have the same core principles as you? You know, that is, I, I equate that to the same as, as our hiring practice. Uh, you know, I hire and fire based on core values. I've literally had interviews where I'm, I'm asking more questions about, you know, culture and making sure that we're aligned. Because if you're not aligned, I don't care if you're talking about a business relationship, a personal relationship, regardless, you have to have alignment. And you have to have communication. And if you're not willing to have that conversation, then you're probably not going to be aligned <clears throat> when the chips hit the fan. So, so I'm a big believer in having those conversations early on and picking partners that have common beliefs. If, if we don't match up with you, you're going to be more successful with someone else. And yeah. I do that when I'm hiring people. I literally have stopped interviews and said, look, culturally, I don't believe we're aligned tell me a little bit about what you really want to do in life. And I will personally go to bat and help you find an area where you can be successful so that six months down the road, neither party is unhappy with one another. Right. Okay. Oh, there. All right, Bobby. So um, let's wrap it up with this. Um, folks who are, you know, like what you're saying, one about culture or the automation stuff that you guys offer. Uh, I know you said you got an office in Alabama um where else are you guys at are you gonna be in conferences where do you want them to go to check you guys out uh go ahead and plug or promote anything that you got super uh spock automation it's spoc automation.com you can go to our website uh, we've got resources there about spock automation about our grid inverter company spock grid inverter technologies um, where you can learn about all the different automation solutions uh, that we offer as well as there's information on the website um, with the lift up section that'll give you information about our culture and who we are. And I highly recommend you check out some of the videos. Um, we also have a frequently asked questions and, and, and a lot of other content on there that would be beneficial to folks. And I'm also on LinkedIn under Robert L. Mason. And if I can ever be of assistance, please let me know because that's why I was put on earth. All right. And hey, if you go and work with Spock, and you and you get a challenge coin. You you earn one. Tag me in it on LinkedIn because I'd like to see one live and in person. Okay, uh, Mr. Mason, it was so good to have you on. And uh, I'm trying to think of the lady who set this up. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but thank you for reaching Ashley. out to Ashley. Yes, thank you, Ashley. I don't want to say Shay, Ashley. So I was close. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Ashley, for setting this up. Uh, listeners, we should be back next week. Normal program. Josh, myself. Um, again, internet issues and all that aside, should be back and in the in the saddle. Bobby, thank you again. We'll link to all your stuff in the show notes. Listeners, until next time, keep climbing.